podcast called uh, Dub Jellyson Podcast. First ever type 1 diabetic in UFC history. Uh, doing fine, Dub. Nice to be with you. Get out! <laughs> He's like, yeah. My tunnel vision and my periphery, I'm like all field. Hey, you know how it is, Dub. Hey, when you're, hey, when you're team. <laughs> I don't remember that. That's crazy. What's up, everyone? We're back with another episode of Dub Jellyson Podcast. And they have a very special guest, a Purdue legend, Dakota Mathias. Dakota, how you doing, man? Good, man. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. I mean, thank you so much for doing this. I've been trying to get you for a while now. And uh, shout out to Ryan Smith. He he kind of helped us hook up, but. No doubt. No doubt. Ryan's a good guy. Glad he texted me. <laughs> um, so, I mean, to start, you just announced that you're you're holding your fourth fourth annual um, summer camp in your hometown in Ohio. Um, and then you're also holding a camp in West Lafayette this summer um, in July. So talk about uh, how those came to be and um, what you plan to do with those. Yeah, yeah. So we're having our, like I said, our fourth year. We're back at Harrison High School. Um, you know, got a great relationship with them. Jerry Gallimo has been great. Um, Coach Reinhardt over there, they let us use those facilities every year. So uh, very fortunate to be able to use those. Um, we're doing it July 16th this year. Um, it'll be from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. Uh, grades K through 8, any boy or girl. Um, all skill, all skill levels are welcome. Um, we're going to provide lunch as well. Um, a t-shirt and, uh, we're just going to have a good day, have some fun, learn some new skills. Um, it's a good thing. You know, I've always wanted to do a camp, you know, growing up in back in Elida, Ohio. Um, you know, we had a, a old time coach named Chris Adams. He always did these camps and I always look forward to them every summer. And, you know, I'm in a, a spot where I can do that and allow kids to come out for a few days in summer, and just have fun playing basketball. Mm-hmm. And what made you like, what made you put this into action? Uh, like, when did you know that you were ready and you could be like, hey, I'm, I can actually do this and make a difference in my community? Yeah. You know, I think it was after my senior year at Purdue, um, you know, right after summer league and all that kind of stuff. And um, like I said, there's always something I wanted to do because um, it meant so much to me, you know, in the summertime, you know, when I was growing up. You know, some my friends and I really enjoyed. We got to compete and learn the game. So um, I've always wanted to give back in that way. And, you know, I love being around the game of basketball. So if I can help my younger kids enjoy it and get better, it's something I've always, always wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned this is your fourth year. Um, Ray Fell Davis, I mean, just in the short time he's been doing camps, he's talked about he's talked about how much they've grown and um, how unexpected it is. Have you kind of had that same feeling? Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, we've grown, got new kids. But I think the cool thing about ours is, you know, in the past four years, we've had, you know, many, many kids come back. Um, and I think that's a sign of, you know, you put on a good product, they have fun, especially. And that's the biggest thing, having fun and, um, like I said, developing new skills, things like that. But the fact that we have the same kids sign up year, year in, year out, uh, I think that says a lot. Mm-hmm. And then talk about the importance of like athletes and celebrities giving back to their community, especially the youth. Definitely. You no, know, that's what it's all about. Um, you know, anytime, like I remember, you know, the old high school players, when I was younger, I used to look up to them and idolize them. So coming to camp was a chance to hang out with them. So, um, you know, if younger kids, you know, think of you know myself or Rayfell in that aspect, that's so cool for them. So to be a role model like that and um, you know, do, do the right things on the court as well as off the court, that's huge and um, it's invaluable for them. Well, I'll tell you, I mean, from a fan's perspective, they definitely do. <laughs> okay, both of you guys are legends. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't imagine, like, like I went and worked one of Rayfell's camps and it was still kind of weird to me to be with, like, him and Lou Jack and A.J. Hammond just to be around them, even though I was, like, a, a, a camp coach or whatever. So I can't imagine what these kids think seeing, like, you guys and you doing this stuff for them. I think it, I think it means a lot more than you 
than you guys all realize. And that's what it's about. I mean, a lot of these kids that, you know, they see us on TV or come to games, um, but, you know, we're normal guys. We're just having fun, enjoying the game of basketball. So being up and close and personal and, you know, teaching them little things and talking to them and just joking around, um, that's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. And do you realize the significance of, of what you're doing? Like, like, have you had any instances where you kind of looked at one kid and realized that you really made an impact on them? Uh, just, you know, the things their parents say, how much fun they've had and enjoyed it. And um, just the fact that they, they ask, well, when are you doing it next year? Well, what dates? we got to block them off. So things like that, that kind of hits home to say, you know, we're doing a good job and they're having fun. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of mentioned um, you're in the off season now. So what does that look like for you in terms of training and prep for next year? Yeah. No, so the next, you know, eight, nine weeks, it's going to be training, you know, working on my body, working on my skills, um, doing basketball training. Um, I got a good trainer named Joey Burton out here in Indianapolis. I've been with um, probably four or five years now. Um, so do a good job with him. And like I said, just getting ready for, you know, summer league uh, beginning of August and then free agency. So um, kind of in the middle right now, not sure where we're going to be or where we're going to go. But like I said, we'll know a lot more um, in August, beginning of August when free agency opens up. But just trying to, you know, be in the best shape and you know, get, in the, get ready as best I can. Mm-hmm. And you, I mean, recently you were able to represent Team USA for a second time, um, just like you did when you're back at Purdue. Uh, so what was that experience like? Oh, it was awesome. You know, especially um, you know the caliber of players that were on that team. You know, Joe Johnson, Isaiah Thomas. Now these are multi-time All Stars. So you know to be able to work out with them and you know see how they go about things. I mean, it was cool to see because both of them have kind of been out of the league a few years and just see how hungry they still were. I mean, just their work ethic and. You know, guys like that, they could easily, you know, sit back and, you know, they got plenty of money. They've got you know, plenty of accolades. They could kind of chill, you know, but they really helped, you know, younger guys like myself just, you know, kind of show us the way, like how you, how you need to work, how you need to be, things like that. So um, it was a great opportunity. You know, even we were there for eight or nine days, um, but made a lot of connections, had great teammates and, you know, even our coaching staff. You know, a lot of them were former NBA coaches or college coaches. So just to have those connections and you know, work with those guys, it was, it was a great experience. Mm-hmm. And how does that compare to the, I guess, the feeling of putting on that Team USA jersey um, compared to when you did it when you played for Purdue? Oh, it was similar. You know, anytime you can you know, represent your country, you want to do it. You know, my agent um, you know, called me about it a few days before. He's like, you want to do that? Like, Absolutely. You know, any, any chance to just play basketball and represent your country? You know, what more do you want? So <laughs> um, it was a no-brainer for me. And like I said, I'm glad I did it. And, you know, getting two wins and just, you know, making all the connections and having a great experience. That's what it's about. Mm-hmm. And you've kind of, you have bounced a little bit around um, just in your, in your pro career, you're overseas um, and you're back in the NBA and the G league. Um, so talk about that process and uh, your path within pro ball thus far in your career. Um, I went over to Spain and played. Um, it, it was awesome. You know, I had a great teammate, Luke Herringote. He's from, he went to Notre Dame, obviously all American. So, um, he really helped me out because he, he had been over there, you know, I think seven, eight years before that with different teams. Um, so he kind of helped me. He took me under his wing. But, you know, playing in – it was ACB. It was the top league in Spain. And I was very naive to it. You know, I didn't really understand, you know, the culture over there or even, you know, the basketball itself. Um, but it's it's one of the best leagues in America or in, in the world, um, I should say. I mean, it was the same Luka Doncic. You know, he played in that league with Madrid, you know, Barcelona, these, these big-time teams. So – um, it was definitely an eye opener, you know, those first couple of games playing against these, these top talents, but it was a great, great experience. I'm glad I did it. Um, you know, I ended up getting hurt. I just I messed up my ankle a little bit. So I had to come back, um, 
got ready for summer league again and then ended up with, uh, I went to training camp with the Mavericks. Um, and that, that was fun. That was so awesome just to be able to be, be in an NBA training camp, learning from you know, Rick Carlisle, an all-time coach. Um, you know, Jason Terry was around there. Dirk was walking around. So there was a lot of guys I looked up to and remember watching. Um, so it, that was a great experience. And then, you know, playing in the G League, um, I had a really good year, had a great coach, great system. So um, you know, it was just – it's very different basketball year to year. You know, you play overseas. It's a different style, different brand. You go to NBA training camps, it's just very different than you go in the G League. I mean, you know, there's a lot of former guys who played in college, um, a lot of veterans, a lot of rookies. It's just a mixture of a lot of different types of guys. Um, so playing in that was good. And then, you know, this year, you know, having the opportunity to really, you know, play in the NBA and uh, take that next step, you know, playing with, you know, a legendary coach, Doc Rivers, and you know, all-stars like Joe Embiid and Ben Simmons. So I think each year we're kind of taking a, a bigger step and, uh, that's what I'm preparing for this summer. Hopefully, I can take another step next year. Mm-hmm. And did you ever play against Luka Doncic, or did you guys miss each other in the, that time frame? No, no. So that was the that was his second year. Like I said, he's he's an unbelievable talent. Um, the way he, you know, his step back. Everybody talks about that, but it's mm-hmm. it's really hard to guard. I mean, you you kind of know it's coming, but he's still going to get it off and make it. Um, the, the thing that pressed me, and everybody sees it, just his passing ability. I mean, he's he's six eight. He's strong, but the way he passes the ball, he he sees everything, and he he just has so much fun out there. Like it's 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 so fun to watch. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that was probably when he was what, sixteen, seventeen. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, so you were talking about in Dallas? I, I was talking about in Dallas when I played against him in oh, camp. Oh, that's that's right. Yeah. So I actually missed him overseas. I did not play against him there, but. Uh, everybody was talking about him over there. They're like, he's going to average a triple-double, all this. I'm like, I, I don't know about that, but he, he does. He does it. Yeah, I mean, he's he's like, he's just a specimen in terms of – it's hard to even put into words, like, what he does, honestly. It is. You underestimate these guys. You watch them on TV, but, you know, in person, you guard them. He's just so physically strong. He's easily handled. But like I said, it's his passing ability is, I think, the best in the league. Mm-hmm. And how was each organization different? And what were you able to learn? I mean, even if you were like, I remember you were with the Lakers for a summer league. So even if you were there for just a short amount of time, how much can you learn from that organization? Um, yeah, you can definitely learn a lot. I mean, you're in there, you know, six, probably six, seven hours a day. I mean, you're working out, you're doing stuff with the trainers, you're lifting, and then you're doing on, on court skill work, um, and then practices, and then you're coming back at night. So even though it's a short window, you're still getting a lot of time in. Um, but I just think, you know, having – they have so much support staff there. So, like, they have so many player development guys. I mean, Drew Anthrop's one that's with the Lakers now. Um, you know, they have a training staff. So, whenever you want to get a lift in or work on your body. So, you have all these resources. Um, so, that's something I kind of I kind of pride myself on. I wanted to be there as much as possible, you know, meet as many people and just um, really embrace each opportunity. And, and they're all very similar in that aspect. They have great support staff. Um like I said, that was that was my biggest thing, just taking advantage of that and being around there and just it, they always say be a sponge, you know, soak in everything, learn as much as you can because you know these coaches and these development guys that they've been around it, they're with the top top guys. So um, like I said, I've been fortunate to have these opportunities. Mm-hmm. And how frustrating was it um, back with your time with the the Mavericks G League team? How frustrating was it to know that you're balling out? I mean, I mean. I'm sure Purdue Twitter was blowing up the Mavs social media stuff because we all thought you should be getting a uh, getting an opportunity. But how frustrating is that to know that you're balling out 
and then you don't get that opportunity just yet. I mean, it can be sometimes, but at the end of the day, you can't worry about that. I mean, my mindset was I'm here with the legends. I'm going to make the most of it and just go you know, day by day. You, know, you can't think because the second you start worrying about you know, other games or other guys getting called up, it throws you off your own game. So um, you know, I, we always talk about be where your feet are. You know, that's something, you know, live in the present, present moment. Don't think too much about other things going on because that can really throw you off. So that's something um, I really had to work towards and learn. Um, I think I do a lot better job of that now, but that was something then. Um, that was big for me, not worrying about that stuff. And, you know, I had a good year even from start to finish. You know, there's a lot of guys, they'll start fast and they get that mentality um, that they should be called up that they're complaining about stuff, worrying about their own things and their play starts to diminish. Um, so I think that's a big thing, just sticking to it and you know, being where your feet are. Mm-hmm. And I know you're training right now, but are you looking ahead to see like what your next steps could be within your career? Um. I mean, a little bit. Yeah, you're always, you know, kind of looking like I talked to my agent just about our options, you know, for summer league or free agency, anything like that. Um, but at the end of the day, it's just about getting better each day, you know, incrementally getting better, you know, working on your body, working on your mind. Um, like I said, skill work with, you know, Joey. So, um, yeah, you have to look at that stuff and, you know, plan kind of for the future, but you can't get caught up in it and worry about it. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, I'm a Knicks fan. I mean, we did well this year after 40 years of being trash. So I'd love to see you on the Knicks if if they give you a give you a um, an opportunity. Yeah, hey, I, I would. I'd take it in a second. <laughs> they turn that around. Man. They're fun to watch. I mean, the whole playoffs have been fun to watch so far. I know it's early, but I think you know these the conference finals and the finals. Whoever's in, it's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that whole LeBron CP3 arm? drama, all that, that situation. I'm not sure. There was a lot going on in that play. You know, that happened and the campaign, like I played with campaign at, with the legends, you know, for a few months there. So it was a lot going on in that play, but you know, I'm excited to watch the rest of that series. I think I haven't watched the Suns a lot this year, um, but watching them the last you know couple of weeks. And then the other night, they got a, they got a great roster. I mean, Devin Booker is one of the top, he's propelled himself into the top five, six shooting guards in the league. Um, and they just have so many pieces around him. So I'm, I'm excited to see the rest of that series. Mm-hmm. Do you find yourself rooting for the Lakers more than maybe you had been previously, just because, like you mentioned, Drew Anthrop's there? Uh, yeah, I definitely root for Drew. I mean, he's taking pictures with um, with the trophy and things like that. So you root for guys like that, but um, can't really root for one individual team right now. Just kind of watching the whole what happens. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it just crossed my mind that Etwan's playing against him, so you kind of can't pick a side. That, that's very true. That's very true. And he had a big game winner. He put, he had a big game winner the other week. And uh, like I said, that's he's they're they're so solid. I mean, they got their starters one through five are loaded, and they got they go to a bench guy who's been in the league for you know ten plus years, just solid. So I uh, I think you know I kind of I might be rooting for the Suns in that one. <laughs> hey. Fair enough. No, no I, I like he though, man. He, he's so solid. I like him a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I mean, speaking of game winners, you had a game winner this year. Um, so what was that like? Like just the feeling, the euphoria um, after that shot went in? Yeah, no, that was awesome. I think, you know, the biggest thing I took from that is I didn't play as much of that game. I mean, we had some COVID guys. So I, I started the first two games before that and we had guys out with COVID and uh, that game, a few came back, so I wasn't playing as much as I did the last two games. And in the minutes I got, I, w- I wasn't shooting well. I missed I think, two or three shots. Um, I was, wasn't in a good rhythm, um, but I knew 
you know, towards the end there, I think it was Tyrese Maxey fouled out. So I was looking up at the clock or at the scoreboard the last couple of minutes, and he had five fouls. I'm like, I got to be ready to go because I was the next guard up. And sure enough, he ended up fouling out. So I went in there, thrown into the fire. But like I said, it's just all about, like I said, being where your feet are, being in the present moment. You know, I've shot that kick out jumper, you know, hundreds, thousands of times in my life. So it's getting ready, letting it fly. And you know, it was pretty exciting to knock it down. And luckily, we ended up with a win. Mm. What was what was the feeling in the locker room like with everyone surrounding you and, and going crazy like that? It was great. I mean, that's that's what it's about. You know, even in college, you know, having big wins, uh, you can't wait to get back to the locker room and just, just mm-hmm. talk it up with the whole staff, your teammates, the coaches. That's what it's all about, man, just the, the chemistry and things like that. So that, that was really cool. But at the same time, I mean, we were all excited because we were undermanned. We had a few guys out. So it was just a big win overall. Mm-hmm. And then I want to transition back to your time at Purdue. Um, coming in there, I mean, if I remember correctly, they were last in the Big Ten um, the year before you got there. Yeah. So what were your expectations coming in? And did you both you, yourself, and the program um, exceed them? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, coming into a team that's last, um, you want to elevate that, obviously. And um, I think the class I came up with, uh, you know, PJ, Vince, Isaac, we all had the same kind of mentality. You know, we, we were winners, you know, in high school, AAU. Um, we, we weren't going to we were going to allow that kind of stuff. And you got to give a lot of credit to Rayfell Davis. I mean, he kind of he changed that whole culture and he, he led us. Um, so to be able to, you know, go from last in, the, in my junior, our junior year, winning the Big Ten, um, senior year, winning 30 games, things like that. It just doesn't happen overnight. I mean, there was a lot of a lot of a lot of tough days, you know, especially our freshman year, tough losses, you know, right before Christmas. It was into, you know, Gardner Webb, North Florida, these these losses. But that, I think that built us up um, to be, be able to do what we did our junior and senior year. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned Ray Fella. Every time you get brought up, he he brings up that story of like, I don't know if it was your very first practice or it was one of the first few. And you were like recovering from mono and he walks out and you were just like passed out in the um, the little walkway. What was that like? It was the very first workout. So like, obviously, you know, if you're a freshman, you're coming in with a little edge, you know, you want to prove yourself. So or it was literally the very first workout it was just like an hour workout. Um, just it was like three or four other guards uh, skill work the whole time. But it, it's it's mid-June and it's 105 in Mackey. Um, and it is just it's so hot. So, um, like I said, I was battling. I was coming off mono and I, I wasn't going to sit out at that point. So probably 20, 30 minutes into the workout, I'm just I pass out. Like I, I'm in I'm in the little hallway right there, leaning up against the fan. And he comes walking out and I just saw a look in his eye. And I, I was I was more upset at myself. I'm like, he can't see me like this. Um, but like as he always tells that story, it's funny, but it, it was true. It was true. Mm. And did that, how much did that set you back? Um, like having mono? Cause I mean, this year, um, Ethan Morton had mono coming into the year and it kind of stunted his growth a little bit as a freshman. Yeah. You know, especially as a freshman, anytime, you know, you need to be in the practice, you need to be working out, do you know, catching up, especially all the plays and all that type of stuff. So anytime you're kind of out as a freshman, it hurts you even more. Um, so I think that was just a big struggle, but we were just behind the eight ball a little bit longer um, than most freshmen. At the end of the day, I mean, you know, battled through it and you know, ended up having a good career, but you can't let setbacks and things like that, um, you know, just derail you for your whole career. I mean, you just got to take it, like I said, day by day, and I probably could have handled it better um, just because I was so frustrated with, with how it was going early on. But um, like I said, Ethan, 
he was in the same boat, but he's, he's going to be a great player. He's going to have a great career. He has a, a good head on his shoulders, and he's going to be one of those kids. He's going to come back next year. He's going to have a great summer this year, and he's going to work hard, and he's going to be able to perform at a high level. Mm-hmm. I have to agree. And uh, you mentioned, I mean, that that recruiting class that you came in with, um, you guys weren't necessarily the most highly recruited, but ended up being one of the best in Purdue history. So talk about how special it was to, to have those four other guys with you coming in. Yeah, I mean, as you know, give a lot of credit to Coach Paint. You know, Coach Gary, Jack Owens was there, um, Coach Brantley. I mean, um, those are the kind of guys you want to play for. You know, it's not just – it's not all about basketball. It's about being a good person off the court, um, taking care of your stuff in the classroom, um, being a good person, treating other people the right way. So I think all of us collectively – you know, did that. You know, we weren't all just about basketball. I mean, we, I think we represented Purdue well, um, <clears throat> and, that, and that's what it's all about. But, you know, when we get to the court, you know, we wanted to change, we wanted to change some things. You know, we weren't going to just be okay with, um, you know, being last in the Big Ten or being, you know, 500 team. You know, we had our, our goals set higher. Mm-hmm. And how did you guys kind of mesh in terms of leadership? Because, um, I, I mean, I've, I've talked to Vince and I, I know Isaac. I know damn well they're not they're not speaking up like a whole lot. So did I mean was PJ the most vocal guy or how did you guys kind of navigate that? Um, you know, we all you know Vince Vince was pretty vocal for the most part. I mean PJ and I were more you know we led kind of by example, but you know I think collectively it was you know a good leadership role like all of us collectively. Um, when there there were times when each of us had to you know at certain stages we had to be a little more vocal, but at the end of the day I think all of us. Um, we're good leaders by example. Um, and, that, and that's what it takes. I mean, you see somebody doing the right things, coming in every day, taking care of it. And then and at the point where they start saying something, it means a lot more. You know, if you start talking, but you're not taking care of your own stuff, it doesn't go, it doesn't go a long way. And people kind of look at you funny. So um, I think we all kind of mesh together in that leadership role, but you know, our first two years, you know, Ray was there and he was the vocal leader, uh, obviously <laughs> he still is. Uh, but, you know, that, that's, that's what it's all about, you know, just coming together <clears throat> as a team and just our chemistry was was there from the first day, I thought. Mm-hmm. And what was the shift like of the program? I mean, you talked about those losses like North Florida and Gardner Webb. Uh, when was the moment that you and the rest of the team kind of realized that things were clicking and then the success taking off? I think it was that same year as my sophomore year. And we ended up losing uh, to Gardner Webb in North Florida. And we came back and we had um, – three straight Big Ten games that were against top 25 teams. I think it was like Minnesota at that time, Ohio State, um, somebody else, I forget. But we, we won three straight uh, to top 25 opponents. <clears throat> and I think from that point on, it was like, okay, yeah, we can do this. We're not, we're not this team that's going to lose, um, you know, multiple games in a row. We're not going to lose the teams we shouldn't. We're going to take care of business at home. So I think that from that point on, uh, right after Christmas, my sophomore year, that kind of propelled us to say, you know, we can do this. We're not going to stand for – you know, being last or doing all this stuff. So I think that was definitely the launching point. Mm-hmm. And how do you think Coach Painter got the most out of, like, the teams when you were there? And um, how did he kind of approach things to turn the ship around when things were, when things were getting shaky? Yeah, um, I just think not accepting mediocrity. I mean, he, I mean, you can lose – you might not be, you know, as talented or as athletic as some of these teams, but we're going to be detailed. We're going to do our job every time. We're going to play hard. I mean, uh, our scouting reports, our detail, um, especially on the defensive end, is second to none. I mean, you knew exactly what play was happening, you know, at every time, every, every team we were playing. So I think just that attention to detail and um, doing all the little things, you know, I, he said that every day, just do the little things, do the little things, you know, build on that. And I think we did that. I think all the guys kind of bought into that 
um, especially because, you know, we obviously weren't all, you know, athletic, you know, we weren't all five-star recruits playing against some of these teams that were, but so we, we kind of had that edge and that mentality to do that. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, kind of capping off your guys' career, um, how much fun was that insane run you guys went on? Um, I, I believe it was your senior year uh, when you guys were as ranked high as number two in the country. Yeah. Well, that was another, you know, kind of launching point when we were in um, the Bahamas mm -hmm. and we lost to Tennessee and then turned around and lost to uh, Western Kentucky. And I just remember those couple of days in the Bahamas were awful. I mean, we were all just angry, depressed, like, cause we had a pretty good ranking coming into the season. You know, we had, you know, all four seniors coming back. We had, you know, Carson, Klein, we had all we had all the um so we, we thought we were you know going to be pretty solid and we lose those two games and it was just demoralizing but i think the night before and going into that arizona game you know uh, uh trigger switch there i mean we we really we really turned it up and winning that game against Solanjo trier you know deandre and i mean they had some they had some studs um, like i said those five-star recruits those you know those teams that are um you know ranked higher than us so i think from that point on we really propelled it and Routed off a lot of a lot of good wins and a lot of a lot in a row. Mm -hmm. And what were those couple of Sweet Sixteen appearances like? Um, just having those runs in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I mean that's what it's about. I mean you want to play for Big Ten championships and um, and that's great and that that was our goal. But another one of our goals was you know to make it you know far into the tournament, get to the Sweet Sixteen, um, and especially after our first two years, you know getting upset in the first round, um, you know that hurts. I mean you think about that all summer, so breaking through my junior year and finally getting to that, that first sweet 16 <clears throat> and doing it again, my senior year. Um, that's what it's about. Mm. Um, what were some like kind of cap off your career again? Uh, what were some of your favorite moments either on the court, off the court, whenever um, from your time at Purdue? Um, I think obviously number one is, you know, winning the big 10 at home against IU. I mean, you can't, you can't write it up any better than that. I mean, playing your rival for, you know, your conference title. I mean, that's, that was amazing. That was a night, you know, we'll never forget. And that's Mackie was so loud. I mean, you can't, it was, it was unbelievable. Mm -hmm. I mean, I probably have to agree. I um, mean, I, we had, we had some good wins, but I, that was definitely number one. I mean, Iowa state to get into the sweet 16. That, that was another one. That was a good one, especially just because how that game went. I mean, we were up at halftime, we were up pretty big and they kind of came back and we weathered their storm and one at the end there. So I think, you know, that, those are my top two that I always come back to um, trying to think what other ones, you know, we've got a lot, obviously, you know, winning the big 10 and going down to Bloomington, you know, winning five out of six times in my four years. And since then, I don't think we've lost the last three years either. So um, yeah, we've had their number for quite a while now. Mm -hmm. I mean, the last time we lost to him, I think was, it was my sophomore year, I think. At, at their place. At their place. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, on that, I think that was that bad goaltending call, too. It was goaltending call, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's our state now. Uh, no doubt. No <laughs> doubt. I mean, when you guys are, like, especially when you're a senior going into those games, um, were you guys – was your guys' confidence just at an all-time high? You're like, there's no way we're losing this team. We're not letting that happen. Um. Yeah, to an extent. I mean, you got to be a little grounded. I mean, you can't get too, too full of yourself like that, but – um, we were definitely confident, you know, especially, you know, going into those games. Like I said, when we were seniors, um, we'd been through it all. I mean, we've had tough losses. We've had good wins, but we, we had some we had some tough times that kind of built us up from that. So um, you definitely have a, a good sense of confidence going into those games. Mm -hmm. And I know we're getting close to time. Um, so just three 
three quick ones um, to wrap things up. What was your favorite opposing gym to go play at in college? Mm. Obviously playing at IU. I mean, we always look forward to that. That's, that's, that's a surefire number one for me, just because the environment and all that and the rivalry. But I really like Maryland. Their fans and the, the way their gym's built, the, the fans, the student section's right on you, and it comes right down to you, and they're loud. Um, Scott Van Pelt was there a few times when we were playing. So it was, a, it was always just sold out, and their fans were loud and on top of you. We played, a, I think one, one year we played a noon game, and, and we were shooting around early, and their fans are storming in at like 9, 30, 10 o'clock. So I think this, their, their atmosphere is really well, really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like that's an underrated one. Not a lot of, not a lot of people mention that. Uh, yeah. So next one, best pure shooter during the painter era. And I need to remind you that Ryan Smith did not have you at number one. Hmm. Did he have himself at number one? He took himself out of it. Okay. Well, I'll take myself out of it then. <laughs> hmm. Pure shooter. I mean, I got to go with Carson. I mean, just the way, just because he can score or he can shoot in a variety of ways, you know, coming off a ball screen, coming off a pin down, on the move, catch and shoot. I mean, I think just, you know, shooting standpoint, I wouldn't, I don't know, pure, but just a shooting standpoint, I, was, I, I look at a guy like Steph Curry. I mean, he can come off the dribble, come off the movement um, in a spot-up situation. So if you com- – a combination of those things, I think it's got to be Carson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe that's what Ryan said as well. Um, and then the last one, this is from my boss. Uh, shout out to T-Mill. He, he wants to know which Dakota that you prefer, north or south? Oh, man, I never answer that question. I get that too much. <laughs> Don't don't answer it. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Hey, um, thank you so much for coming on. I'm gonna wrap this up. Um, I know you gotta get going, but thank you so much for coming on. It's awesome to see you succeed um, at the pro level and uh, all the memories that you had at, at Purdue as well. I appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me. Yes, sir. Good.